Okay, I think that's all the announcements that I need to make. Um, starting next week, today we're wrapping up Soul Activity. It is our series on developing resilience. Next week, we're going to start a five-week series on relationships. Now, if you're married and you're like, I got this handled, been married a long time, don't need this. This is not a, a marriage series. Um, if you're looking for dating help, we will talk about dating on one week, but this is not a dating series. Um, what we're going to be doing is talking about the reality of how to build healthy relationships with people. And it feels like that ought to be fairly easy. And as Christians, it feels like we ought to be the best at it. But then we run into hard things in life. And then we look in the mirror and we recognize we all have issues. And those issues interact with each other. And then we have sparks and we have problems. Sometimes this happens with our friends. Sometimes this happens with their family. And believe it or not, sometimes this happens in church. So we're going to be talking about a number of different issues. I'm super excited about these next five weeks. Um, the very first week, we're going to talk about just the fact that we are made for community. We are made for relationships. We are not made to do life alone. And some of you will push back on that. But we're going to, because some of you are just fine being by yourself, but we're going to talk about being made for community. The second week, we're going to, we're going to talk about love and marriage. Um, what does the Bible say about the relationship of marriage? And how does that fit in the bigger context of community um, and relationships? The third week, I've asked Deidre to join me on stage. Um, and I'm going to interview her, um, and she's going to talk with us about how awesome I am at relationships, and at marriage in particular. Um, don't tell her that's what we're going to be talking about, but I because what I asked her to talk about was trust-based relational intervention, but um, I'm going to sneak in how awesome I am too. She, she won't fall for it though. Um, anyways, so I've just asked her to talk to us about some healthy and unhealthy attachment issues, some of the overarching um, principles around trust-based relational intervention. Because here's the thing. It would be great if every one of us were super healthy, wouldn't it? I mean, it would be great if I was just super healthy. I would love it. I don't know what that feels like. I mean, you don't actually know what that feels like. There are levels of health, but there are actually some, there's some great evidence that the way we grow up will determine how we develop or are unable to develop relationships. And so she just she is a wealth of information on this. And I've just asked her if she would come and speak, and I'm gonna just I'm gonna ask her questions and then just let her talk. Um, the third week, and that's also we're gonna just talk about messy community. It's just relationships are messy, and we're a church who is committed to being messy, but it's hard sometimes to do that. Uh, the fourth week, we're going to talk about dealing with toxic people because there are toxic people and there is a need for boundaries at times. While we want to love, the call to the Christian is not just um, accept everything. So we're going to talk about how do we create boundaries and we're going to talk about some different levels of toxicity. And I will tell you this, the very first thing I'm going to share when we talk about toxic relationships is that every one of us has to recognize we each bring some toxicity to every relationship. It is not like I'm super healthy and you're the problem. We each bring toxicity in different levels to relationships. And then the last week, we're just going to talk about how to make a friend. All right? I think it's going to be super helpful for our family, super helpful for just uh, people in general, and it's going to be super helpful for our church. That starts next week. All right? Whew. I said I was going to be quick, and I haven't even gotten the sermon yet. <laughs> 
Um, if you want to open your Bibles, we're going to be jumping all over the place. Um, we're going to go first to Genesis, and then we're going to um, jump back up to the New Testament, and we're going to reference what Scott just read. I appreciate him doing that. The purpose of this series has been developing resilience when we are just kind of burned out. And the reality is, is that all of us bring some level of burnout just from the last few years that we've been through. Um, we're tired. Some of the um, symptoms we're seeing of just this collective trauma that we've experienced over the last few years, whether it be the pandemic or uh, just the political sphere or the conflict that's come as a result of all those things or just life in general, some of us struggle with just being motivated to be around people. Some of us struggle just at times to maintain a coherent thought. Um, sometimes we just are, are, at least for me, and I know some of you have shared the same, sometimes my brain just doesn't work right. I'll forget, I'll try to grab a word out of the air and it's not there, or I'll try to have a complex thought and it's just like, it's not happening. Um, there are all kinds of symptoms. There's just fatigue, just being tired or being irritable. We can just be really irritable now more than ever. And so we've spent these last three weeks, and then what we're going to spend today talking about how do we develop resilience within our souls. So where we've been so far, the first week we talked about for, for us as believers, and we believe for all of human, humanity, all of humankind, that resilience is first born in being centered in Christ. That is the first aspect of developing resilience and the ability to undergo difficult things. The second week thing we talked about, or the second week we came together, we talked about living intentionally, and that's going to flow a lot into our conversation today, because a lot of your ability to undergo difficult things and to develop resilience is the ability to develop discipline. Now, discipline is something most of us don't like, and by the time we grow up and move out, we don't ever want to think of the word discipline, but I will tell you, I know very few people that are happy with their life that are not disciplined. You don't, you don't typically just end up in the life that you wanted to live, all right? And in our faith, we don't typically just end up in a healthy relationship with God. All throughout Scripture, uh, we find um, exaltations to discipline. And that that is a necessary part of life. And I don't mean the kind of discipline like you're in trouble. I mean the kind of discipline that says, I'm going to get up at a good hour in the morning. I'm going to make my bed. I'm going to show up to work on time. And I'm going to have healthy boundaries in the places that I go. I'm going to watch what I eat. I'm going to make sure I get in. Those types of disciplines, not the kind like you're in trouble. We need to talk. So that is incredibly important to live intentionally. And then Scott did a great job last week talking about this truth that we were made for hard things. And we live in a time and a, and a place and a, and a cultural context that we see a lot of people screaming to protect themselves from hard things. But you cannot avoid hard things in life. And if you get overrun by hard things, understand this, it is not because you yourself are not capable. This is going to teach you to be resilient so you will not be run over in the future. But we can't be afraid of those hard things. However, the reality is, and some of you may feel this, and, and especially if you have like young kids you know, that run out into traffic 
and, and you're, it's like hard things every day, isn't it? Like just keeping your kids alive, that's hard. Or maybe you just have some heavy things happening within your life and they never give you a break and you just feel like you're dealing with hard things all the time. We, we, we are all in different seasons about how that affects us. But the reality is, is that even though we were made for hard things, you will not develop resilience without periods of rest and periods of security. Now, the Bible talks about um, these periods that we need very regularly in order to truly be healthy people. And the word that the Bible uses to describe this is the word Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for our rest and restoration. Now, to make sure that we are on the same page, depending on the, the place where you've come in church and and, and just your understanding of Judaism and Old Testament and just what the Sabbath was. The Sabbath is a period in the Old Testament that was passed down from generation to generation. It was given in the Ten Commandments, and it was a time between Friday at sundown to Saturday at sundown where you would not work, um, you would spend time just with your family, you would spend time worshiping, you would spend time relaxing, um, napping, uh, doing all you know, all kinds of things, but you would not be working. It was a time to stop. And so the Sabbath, that time to stop was given to us in the very beginning of our introduction with God. And it is a very real part of what it means for you to develop resilience because you need a break from hard things. And if you don't schedule those breaks, it will have an effect on you. Last week we had the opportunity to go to the beach. Deidre and I were trying to remember the last time the two of us went on a trip, just the two of us, and it's we couldn't remember. Like we could remember the trip, we just couldn't remember how long ago it was. I mean, it's that's how long it's been. Um, and and quite honestly, I'm still catching up from a lot of work. The, um, just over the last few months, um, if you're a, a guest, the last few months have been our. My, my dad got real sick. He passed away. We've been dealing with all of that. So I'm still catching up on work. And up until um, the Friday of the week before, I was like, Deidre, I don't know if we can do this. I don't know if we can take this trip. I mean, I've just got so much to do. I mean, I'd love to take this trip, and we need to plan a trip, but I'm not sure we could do it. So I, I worked and worked and worked and worked and created enough um, of a window just for us to be able to get away. And it was in the getting away that I realized how necessary it was and how much it was a gift of God to simply say, Mark, you need to go. Because it, was ve- it would have been very easy to just continue working my schedule. For some of you, you may not have that option. You may not have that availability. But I'm telling you, if you don't do that, it will have consequences for you. Two examples, a good and a bad. I, I want to use Malia. Um, she's going to be the good example. I'm going to be the bad example. There was a period a few years ago when I realized if I don't start taking um, time to rest and restore, like it really affects me negatively. I was working really hard. We had started a business and the business was going really well and it required a whole lot of time, still does. And um, But it was successful and it was exciting that it was successful because up until that time, we were kind of a paycheck to paycheck family. And and I wanted that, to, I did not want to go back to being a paycheck to paycheck family So I worked a lot, and the pressure began to build, and I could feel within me just anxiety and irritation and sometimes outright anger. 
When something would happen that normally I'd be like, well, that's frustrating. I like, I would, it'd be like smoke coming out of my ears. And I remember one day, this is when it all came to a head. And I was like, Mark, like something's wrong. (laughs) Something's wrong with you. I walked into a restaurant to eat lunch and they got my order wrong. Now, I'm not a Ruth Chris kind of diner. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going to eat out and we're going to go big or go home, it's like, let's go to Subway. You know, that's the, kind, that's the level of dining that our family does, you know. And so I, I, was, I was at a, uh, a fast food place, and they got my order wrong. And some things had gone wrong that morning, and I had some deadlines looming over me, and I was stressed and I was anxious. And you should know, a part of me is I hate disappointing people. So all of this ball of anxiety starts building within me, and they got my order wrong. Okay, well, that's frustrating, but that's not a big deal. I I walked up, and I have no doubt this was a complete misunderstanding on my part, but the feeling I got from the employee was, that's not my problem. And I went from zero to 100 in a moment. And then the guy, there was a guy in the back. I feel certain he was talking to someone else. And he started laughing, and I thought he was laughing at me. And I never would have thought that before. But in that moment of being tired and not having rest and feeling stress and, and just all of this pressure. Now, I, some of you are hoping I'm going to say I jumped over the counter I grabbed them by the collar and I let them have it. That's not what happened. Sorry to disappoint you. But I just said, you know what? I don't need this. Um, Give me my money back. This guy's laughing. Anyways, they were stunned. And I will tell you the moment I sat in my car, I was stunned. I was like, what just happened? Now, those of you who know me know that is not me. That's not how I treat people. But in that moment, it didn't matter what I would do in a healthy mindset. The reality was I was in an unhealthy, exhausted mindset, and it will affect you in all the other areas of your life if you don't address them. That is the reason we're talking about this today. There are some things that we can deal with, and then there are some things we need to step away and we need to rejuvenate. That's my negative story. A positive story. So this week we got some really good news, and uh, that is that Malia made her school basketball team. We're super excited about that. Now here's why it's a big deal, because last year Malia did not make her school basketball team. And as you can imagine, as a seven-year-old, that was not a good weekend in the Love household. Now, There was no interest in basketball before she tried out for basketball, but now that she didn't make the team, there was weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we worked, and she worked over this last um, year and played some um, rec league basketball, practiced, got out with her brother, and helped her out. And she went in, and what's interesting is for a couple of weeks, we knew tryouts were coming up, and I said, Malia, would you like to go try out? She said, no. No. Are you sure? Because you were doing fantastic when we played basketball over the last year. I think you'll make it. I don't want to go. And one of the things she was dealing with was the fear that she would not make it again. 
Well, the day before, she decides, yep, I'm going to go. And one of her good friends, same thing happened. They both tried out last year. She didn't make it either. They both played basketball together um, in a rec league. And so they both decided they were going to go. They both went, they both tried out, and they both made it. That requires resilience. Because it's very easy to give up when things are pushing against you. And what I want to unwrap for you today is the idea that you may be in one of those two places. You may be walking into a restaurant not knowing why you're so irritable and saying things you are embarrassed that, you, that you've said, but you had no idea why you did it or how to not do it again. This may be the week you need. You may also be that person and you're going and you're trying and you feel like things just haven't worked out and you're just not sure you can keep going. This week is also for you. You also may just be a living, breathing person here today and this week is for you, all right? This is incredibly important, just life skill discipline and you have to understand the Sabbath is a discipline. It is not a commandment, it is a discipline, all right? It is a commandment but intended to be a discipline. All right, so the Sabbath was made for our rest and restoration. Uh, I'm going to give you four things. I'm going to I want to read a few things that the secular culture says about this, and then we're going to go eat some chili, okay? First one is we are made in the image of God. Why and how do we take the Sabbath? Number one, we are made in the image of God. If you were with us through the, the our walk through Genesis, you know we spent some time, especially those first couple of weeks, talking about our creation, and then the fall. And one of the things we looked at was a chiasm in the creation story. And when we looked, and if you remember that chiasm is a repeating structure within the text. It's a literary tool that points to a treasure in the middle. And we looked at the the six days of creation, and there was a chiasm between those six days. And in the very center was a word that that means seasons that the point of giving us the six days of creation was to communicate in some way seasons. And then at the end of that creation moment, God rested. God stopped. Now, if you're going to join us for the Bema discussion group, this is one of the first things that we're going to talk about, um, which is um, just this kind of creation story and how do we understand it. Um, and in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, it says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Now in the chapter before The scripture says this about you and I, about Adam and Eve, but by default we fall within their lineage. We're also humans like them. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We are made in God's image. Now, if you ask five preachers what it means to be made in God's image, you'll probably get five different answers. And um, in that Bema podcast, you're going to find Marty Solomon talking Um, about this very issue and he says you know some of the things we've done to say we're in the image of god is is to to say one it's our bodies 
Like all our art that shows a two-armed, two-legged God with a head and flowing hair and a nice beard and, you know, all that, um, that we bear his image because like if we were to see, if he were to walk in here today, kind of like if Jesus walked in here today, um, he would have a body like ours. But he makes the point that in the fall story, the enemy that comes in, the snake, the Satan, the one who comes in and tempts Eve is not human. But this enemy has arms and legs. And in fact, part of the curse on the snake was to lose those arms and legs. And, they, and it would crawl on its belly. So in that regard, he proposes that it is not our bodies. He also proposes that a very popular idea of how we are built in the image of God is our ability to, to rationalize, to reason. And he said, again, we see that in this serpent who is rationalizing and reason, reasoning, but is not a human made in the image of God. Another thing he says that people will say is our ability to communicate, to talk. Again, based on the false story, this is not what makes us the image of God. He says in this story of what we see in the creation story between Genesis 1, 2, and 3, what we see as most evidently similar to God is our ability to stop, to cease from creating, to cease from working. Marty Solomon, I will butcher this, but he says this. He says, what makes us most like God in Genesis is our ability to stop creating. And in this is the idea of self-discipline. Within self-discipline, if you want to read on into the New Testament, we will find that to be self-controlled is actually a fruit of the Spirit. So if God is active in our life, if the Holy Spirit is working in our lives, one of the ways in which we will begin to grow and mature is our ability to have self-control. And when I was ordering my food and my order was wrong and I perceived a slight on their response to me, I was not under self-control. Now, in the realm of being out of control, um, asking for your money back and walking out of the restaurant is pretty minor, right? But it doesn't matter. When we ourselves are not in a healthy place, we typically do not respond to people in a healthy way. We're more irritable. We're more angry. We have higher expectations of others than we do from ourselves. And so this is incredibly important to understand this this idea that what God wants for you is for you to develop wisdom to know when it's time to stop. For example, we've talked in the past about um, the consumption of alcohol. I grew up in a in a um, in a religious context, in a church context, in which which um, alcohol was absolutely forbidden. That's not scriptural, but it was absolutely forbidden. And, um, and so when we go to Scripture, what we find is that alcohol is not forbidden anywhere within Scripture. However, the overconsumption of it in which you then lose control is prohibited within Scripture. The ability to know when to stop. There are so many things that we can do that are good. Video games. Perhaps you like to play video games. I don't play them anymore because to be quite honest, I'm tired of my kids beating me now. So I've given up video games, all right? I don't play them anymore. I used to play them all the time. Video games are awesome. They're fun. I still play. There's one I will play on my phone. It's a strategy game. I can still win. But I don't have the reflexes. 
my eyes don't work the way they used to. My brain doesn't work as quick as it used to. And I don't even know, like, we do a 16-button combination to make that happen. Like, I can't remember a two-button combinations anymore. I'm just not, it's just not my thing anymore. But there's nothing wrong with video games until you can't stop. And you may think, oh, yeah, I hate those video games. But Netflix is the same way. Exercise can be the same way. Eating is the same way. These are things that are not good or bad until we are no longer able to stop. But for a lot of us, it is hard for us to develop that discipline and that skill when we know, okay, I'm moving into some unhealthy places. I need to stop. So reality is, is that there are some people who don't need to stop. There are some people that do need to get going, Right? Like, it, you, okay, you've been taking the Sabbath for the last 14 days. I think it was only for a day. Like, let's get to work, right? But I find those are often few and far between, but they do exist. But in that scenario, they need to know when to stop their rest. And it's time to go back to work. The Sabbath is given to us because God demonstrated that He knew when to stop and He needed to rest, and we are made in His image. We need to do the same. The second thing that we find in Scripture is that the Sabbath is meant for our good. Now, this is important because you can believe that the instructions in Scripture are just rules that if you're going to make God happy, you've got to follow. And I just have to tell you, that that is a recipe for being discouraged in your faith. I just got to do it. I don't want to do it, but I just got to do it. That will make you frustrated with God. That will make you resent God. But the things He calls us to is consistently something that leads us to health if we will follow Him. So he's drawing us to health. You'll remember we also talked in the, the fall story where God is walking through and he asks a very, two very important questions. Um, after Adam and Eve had sinned, he asked them, one, where are you? And two, who have you been listening to? There's a need for us to develop the wisdom and discernment in order to be able to answer those questions And He is inviting us to come back to be with Him, not just follow an arbitrary set of rules. I hate arbitrary set of rules. Instead, there's a purpose behind them. He's not just seeing if we'll dance for Him. He's seeing if we want this life that He created us for. I don't want to read this this next slide, what Scott just read. I just want to jump to the second slide of that Scripture. Um, Yes, right there. Last verse, verse 27. He said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Which means we needed the rest. God didn't create the Sabbath just to force us to rest. But because we needed it. You need rest. You need a time to take a break. One of the things I love working with, and I know there are some in this room and some who are watching and others that are part of our church that aren't here. I love working with entrepreneurs. They are fun. They are exciting. They just, they work. And one of the, one of the big uh, misconceptions, because I, I, you know, I see a lot of kids saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. I'm like, you know, are you sure? Because <laughs> it's hard work. 
One of the reasons people want to be an entrepreneur is because they think, I can be in charge of my schedule. I'll work when I want. And you can absolutely do that if you don't mind not eating. But if you want to eat or have a roof over your head, you're probably going to work a whole lot more than if you just worked for someone else. There's got to be another driving factor. I love entrepreneurs. Their energy, their drive, their vision, their hope. Many times... They never stop working. So one of the things I struggle with, one of the things I have to continue to work on my ability to stop, this is something that we need. This is something that you need. Now, for those in this room, if you have young kids, you're thinking Sabbath is a great idea in about five years, right? Um, if you're uh, an empty nester, we could work on the Sabbath. I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, I can, or not work on it, but I can, I, we can do a Sabbath because it's, it's easier. Or if you're single, or if you go to school and when you're out of school, you're just done and all, you got all that free time. You know, there are different seasons of life that this Sabbath and this ability to practice this discipline are harder than others. And so I don't want you to walk out of here going, gosh, Mark said this is so healthy and I guess I'm just super unhealthy, but I have no idea what I'm going to do. Can I just say I've sat in that seat and in some ways, we're still sitting in that seat. That's why this is a discipline. The Sabbath is meant for our good, not just to make us jump through hoops. Third thing is that the Sabbath, and I've, I've been sharing so far, the Sabbath helps us develop discipline. Knowing when to stop is a discipline. Now, some of our students are in here, and they're like super excited about this sermon because they can't wait to tell mom and dad when it's time to do the homework. I'm just exercising my Sabbath right now. And I'm just going to say that's not how it works. All right? It's your ability to manage your week, to manage your time. That develops discipline. Now, there are a lot of things God gives us and instructs us in order to develop discipline. That's one of the reasons that we give. We don't just give to keep the lights on. We don't just give to help somebody who needs help keeping their lights on. Part of giving develops the discipline so that when money comes in, I don't spend every dime. When we begin to set aside an amount that we're going to be generous with, and whether that's here or whether that's somewhere else in the community, if, you, if you're setting aside that I'm going to live on less than I make, that is, the, that is a secret to life. If you ever want to retire, that is a secret. You have to live on less than you make. As long as you, it takes everything you make to live, you will never have a moment's rest. <laughs> so giving is that ability to say, okay, my needs are met. I would really like this other stuff, but I need to stop. It's discipline. It's control. There are many ways in which we can do that within our lives but the sabbath is one in which it takes our time this is part of living intentionally some of the things that happen when you begin to um, develop this discipline of sabbath is you will restructure the way you spend your day well maybe i shouldn't get up and scroll facebook for the first hour of my day maybe that's not the best use of my time or maybe I shouldn't you know, binge watch the last three seasons of this new season that's about to drop. Maybe that's not the best 
use of my time. You begin to change the way you prioritize your time and your resources, whether it be your financial resources and giving or your emotional, physiological resources in working and resting. Fourth thing that the Sabbath does is the, the Sabbath is a form of worship. In Exodus 20, this is where we, we are instructed to do this. Like, if you're going to be my people, God is saying, if you're going to follow me, which means if you're going to come back to me, you're going to be with me, and you're going to live the kind of life you were created to live, you must know when to stop and rest. It says this in Exodus 20, verse 8, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's consecrated. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So this is a part of our worship. If you remember, worship in large part, is not singing songs. Worship in large part is obedience to God's instructions. Jesus himself says, if you are my friends, you will do as my Father has commanded. And it's not because we have to follow arbitrary rules. Because this is how you experience God. This is how you experience the life in which we were created to live. There are times you just need to stop. Certainly, there are times you need to get going. But I find that is, is less so the case for some of us than we just need to stop or reorganize our priorities. Walter Brueggemann wrote a lot of great books, um, several theology books, and um, he said this, Sabbath provides a visible testimony that God is at the center of life, that human production and consumption take place in a world ordered, blessed, and restrained by the God of all creation. It is a testimony that He is at the center not us or our appetites. He is at the center of our life. And then the fifth thing that I want to share with you about the Sabbath is that the Sabbath requires that we trust God and trusting God builds resilience. For example, I really need to get this done. Now, for you, that may be a project at work. For them, it might have been like we really need to get this harvest up before this storm comes. And so stopping at times requires you trust that God's got this. God knows what He's doing. And even if part of the crop is lost, He'll take care of us. It's a part of trusting Him. And for many of us, we live in a context in which you trust no one but yourself. We cannot follow God fully and faithfully if we are not Trusting Him it requires that we trust God and trusting God build resilience because you don't have to fear that the very worst case is going to always happen. And even if it does, you trust that God is working all things to good towards those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. And that sometimes is hard for me. Sometimes I want to take control. Sometimes I don't fully trust God. Like, God, like I've seen how you work, and sometimes you don't work in the way we want you to work. 
So I'm just going to take care of this one. You go take your Sabbath. I got this. And you cannot be healthy and grow in that way. Some of the benefits of setting aside a time, and I, I you know, the, the Jews certainly still do today, and, and even many Christians and Protestants today still practice the Sabbath. Um, I don't think it's as important to say from Friday to sundown to Saturday to sundown that you've got that 24-hour period of time, especially if you don't take a Sabbath. But there are times that you can say enough. There are times you can say, I need to stop. There are times within your family you can say, we need to spend time together. And then there are times that that's going to cost you by choosing the healthy thing. Self-discipline means that, or the purpose of self-discipline is that you will introduce into your life healthy things, but there may be a cost to that health. Healthy things usually require a cost. For me, one of the things I really need to work on, I went to see my mom and she gave me a big box of M&Ms and I was like, oh, great. She was like, I can't eat these. My blood sugar is out of control. I'm like, great, I'll take care of these. And within about 30 minutes, I almost had, you know, and that's not good. There's a time to say stop. There's a time to say enough. This is good. This is enough. I wanted to kind of wrap up and say that this idea that humanity that built within our very genetic code is the need for this rest and separation, the ability to stop, is, is something that the Scripture from the very beginning um, is pushing and saying this is what's healthy for people. I, I ran across an article in Psychology Today, which is not a Christian publication. <laughs> I will just say in general, psychologists are not generally very open to Christian things. Certainly, that is not the case for all. Some psychologists are great believers. Um, I just I, I want to tell you what they have discovered. Uh, sorry, Francis. Um, she's totally different, right? Uh, they're over here laughing. Francis is a counselor. Yeah. All right. Anyways, um, I do this a lot. Um, sometimes dig a hole. All right. This is what they said. They said we have studied resilient people and know what they look like. This is what they came up with. They said, they're open to new ideas. Resilient people are open to new ideas. It says they're not afraid of the unknown. They are curious. They see difficult times as opportunities for personal growth. They know that nothing lasts forever and that change is inevitable. They embrace change as an opportunity for growth. They are grateful for what they already have. They know how to ask for help without feeling weak or ashamed. Their self-esteem is high no matter what life throws at them. And ultimately, they can bounce back from obstacles and setbacks. Now, in this same article, they talk about the need for a Sabbath. And this is what this article says. It says, The Sabbath, a day of religious observance and abstinence from work, is really much more than just that abstinence from work and devotion to a God. The Sabbath included time for rest, time for fasting, time for uh, feasting, excuse not fasting, feasting, time for communing, time for spiritual connection, and time for faith. The concept of a Sabbath, an assurance that at least once a week we get to move into safety, um, into safety physiologically to heal, be healthy and well, is one of recovery and therefore resilience. 
A sabbatical allows for an extended time away from the burdens of life, specifically for reflection, rejuvenation, restoration, and recreation, the emphasis on creation in this case. The physiology of threat leads to a reactive mind, whereas the physiology of safety brings forward the creative mind. Our modern concept of vacation is filled with ambitions, activities, needs, and desires that fail to fulfill the requirements for recovery and resilience. Now, they'll go on to say, now, you don't have to be a religious person to practice the Sabbath. But they are right. The Sabbath was made for us. We were not made for the Sabbath. Taking that day of rest was not there to prove we love God. It was there because that's what we need. And if we're going to develop this resilience within our life to undergo hard things, and please hear me, we are called to undergo hard things. It's easy to read and say, oh, we just love everybody, and we're just going to love, and everything's going to be great. But the Scripture also says you've got to pick up your cross. It also says you're going to be persecuted just as Christ was persecuted. You cannot underestimate how unhealthy our world is. And even when we seek to bring health to it, and, I, and, and to be fair, the church is not always in its attempt to change the world has it been in a healthy way or even towards healthy things. Even when we get it right and we try to bring healthy things to the world, the world will reject it because the world is messed up and will be persecuted for it. It's ability to be resilient. Like we should be the most resilient people on the planet. The God of creation walks with us. His Holy Spirit resides within us. He has given us the keys of the kingdom and told us how we can live a life of joy even in hardship. This story is not just a story. This story is the story of life. It's the story of God. It's the story of humanity. It's how we live it's how we enjoy life. It's how we live in a healthy way. We among all should be able to endure hard things. At times when we get talking in our relationship series, that means at times we have to listen to hard things. It means we can be in relationships with people that disagree with us and even don't like us. It means we have the ability at times for someone to slap one side of our face and we turn the other. Or to take our jacket and we give them our shirt. Those are not things that come naturally or easy. We have a God who has given us a blueprint for how to do hard things well. I want to close with um, a very familiar passage of scripture that you've heard before and it harkens back to that chiasm we mentioned in genesis 1 where we find this emphasis on seasons in life ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven a time to be born and a time to die a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to seek and a time to lose, a time to keep 
and a time to cast away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And I would add to this, there is a time for work and there is a time for rest. And if you are not building rest within your life, you will eventually end up, like me, in a place where you can't handle the most minor of irritants. And it will break relationships, and it will hurt your testimony, and it will come between you and others, and you and God. And quite honestly, it will come between you and the person you see in the mirror, because you will cease to like yourself. Sabbath is more than just taking a break. It is an intentional time. And the Sabbath in ancient Near Eastern circles, they would typically spend time studying the Torah, they would spend time playing games together, but they would spend time thinking about what things they have, not what they don't have. They would spend time being thankful and grateful for what God had given and for what they had received. They would often take long naps on the Sabbath, called a Shabbat nap, or long walks just to rest, to restore, and to recover. It's not just stopping and flipping on the TV. It is a time to truly get away and to consider and to process and to recover. I am a big hypocrite when it comes to, to practicing this on a regular basis but Deidre and I are at a place in life that we, we will not continue not to practice this within our lives. I encourage you to join us if you're in the same place we are. All right? Pray with me? Hi, pretty good. Look how early it is. Um, if you'd like to stick around and you would like to join us for lunch, um, we would love for you to do that. Um, I'm going to pray right now for us. I want to go ahead and pray for the food because... I. You know, some sometimes they wait for the pastor to come pray and then you wait for 20 minutes for the food. So I'm going to go ahead and take care of that. So you all go ahead and start eating. Thank you for all that they brought things. And uh, let's just enjoy some time together. Father, God, I thank you.